This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Winnie and the Pixie Knots. Episode 5 The Deal. The next day was every bit as terrible as I imagined it would be. Lou lectured me all the way to school, and Graham grounded me for a month. I guess it could have been worse. At least she didn't bring up anything about the tiny spear or ask what exactly I'd been doing so late at the fair. Before she could pry for details, I just told her that I got sidetracked with some friends from class. Lou even lied and told her she got bored and left me. 
First time she's ever done something like that for me. But I bet it had nothing to do with saving my neck. She probably just didn't want to admit she'd been ditched. The only thing she'd complained to me about afterwards was the long walk home with Jack. She said it was quiet and dark, and she was pretty sure she saw tears in Jack's eyes. Sheesh, I felt bad enough before she told me that. I thought about it a lot during Mrs. Tinsley's class, which was uneventful as always. She asked who had been to the fair by a raise of hands, but nobody was foolish enough to admit they'd gone. Nobody wanted to hear another fire and brimstone sermon from her. When we got back from lunch, Luke kind of ignored me when I waved to him on the way to my seat, which bothered me for a good half an hour. But I quickly forgave him. It's not like I had a chance. I wasn't pretty enough for a California surf god. Speaking of being ignored, Jack wouldn't even make eye contact with me all the way up until second recess. And that was only because I threw a ball at his stomach. Gull! He hunched over to catch his breath. What the heck, jerk? You can't ignore me forever. Watch me. See, you already failed. Jack rolled his eyes and tried to walk away. Look, I said, following after him. I'm really sorry for leaving you guys last night. It's just that Luke... I know, I know. Jack looked away and shook his head. You could have come back a little sooner, though. Lou wouldn't shut up for two seconds. She kept pointing at every weird person that walked by and said as loud as she could what was wrong with them. What's wrong with his nose? Why does she have hair on her face? Look at that big butt. I was just waiting for someone to punch my lights out. They would have been doing me a favor. Yeah, they kicked her out of Sunday school a year ago for that. Thanks for bringing her home. I owe you big time. Jack nodded. Yeah, you do. I didn't know what else to say after that, so I just turned and started climbing on the top of the big slide. Do you have to climb everything? Jack asked. Yep, I said, reaching the top of the slide. And once I get those pink converse I've been asking for, I'll climb to the top of Hooligan Mountain. Jack laughed. Hooligan Mountain? Yeah, maybe if you want to die. That place is crawling with chupacabras. That reminded me. Oh, yeah! I jumped from the top of the slide to the monkey bars and dropped down next to Jack, who was cringing with every leap I made. Remember how I told you my grandma's story about the fairy? I think so. I checked over my shoulders. Well, I don't think she was making it up. Winnie... I saw them, Jack. A whole bunch of them, underground, beneath the carousel. Jack raised an eyebrow. Fairies? Uh-huh. Good one. Come on, let's go get in line. I think the duty blew the whistle. He turned to leave, but I grabbed him and shook him so hard his glasses went crooked. I'm serious, Jack, look! I pulled the little spear out of my jean pocket and handed it to him. One of them stuck me with this! Jack fixed his glasses and observed the little spear. Impressive, he admitted. Did you get this out of Lou's garden or something? He squinted at it and turned it over in his hand. Wow, she's really taking this to a whole new level. Give me that. I yanked it out of his hands. Believe what you want, I know what I saw. Jack snorted. <laughs> Tell you what, if you bring a fairy to school, I'll come to class wearing one of your dresses. I grinned. Practice your twirls, pretty boy, 
I'll have him here by the end of the week. Sure you will, Jack said as we headed back to class. After school, Lou and I walked Jack home along our usual route. The dirt road banked into a grove of willow trees that followed a grassy creek and brought us to a shaded lot where Jack's beautiful white Victorian house stood. Behind it, a white windmill covered in flowered vines creaked as it turned in the pasture. We stopped in front of the home's white picket fence, and I told Jack I'd see him tomorrow at school. Watching Jackie boy in his scrubby clothes walk up to a pristine mansion just never seemed to fit right in my head. I never understood how we could live in such a nice place and still wear the same dirty overalls every day. You'd think his parents would care. Honestly, I was shocked they let him out of the house looking like that. That boy needed a good scrubbing. There were times when I wanted to ask him how he'd gotten away with it, but it didn't seem like something he'd want to talk about. Something told me that Jack didn't have the best relationship with his parents. Whenever they were brought up, he would always change the subject. When do I get to come eat at your house? I asked. When my mom finally cooks something good, Jack replied as he headed down the long driveway. That was his usual response. When Lou and I got home, I went straight to the shed to plan my escape. I had to figure out a way to sneak back into the fair and capture one of those fairies. Mainly so I could see Jack in a dress, and secondly, to make sure I hadn't gone crazy. So I sat down at the old table in the corner of the shed and started jotting down ideas. Maybe there was a way to sneak in the back through the forest. The trail leads right up to the fence by the carousel, and I could hop over without the worker ever noticing. Once inside, there was no question in my mind who I'd capture. It'd be that red-headed goon of a guard. He didn't seem too bright, so he should be easy to catch. But how would I snag him? I looked around the shed. Aha! I grabbed a small fishing net off the wall. It's perfect. Holding it out in front of me, I waved it through the air and imagined snatching him up like a helpless little butterfly. Maybe I'd shake him around a bit and poke him with his own little spear to give him a taste of his own medicine. A pot landed with a loud bang right behind me. I whirled around just in time to see the shed door close. Great, Lou. Quickly, I jumped up and ran to the shed window. Standing on my tippy toes to see out, I expected to catch a glimpse of her bobbing duck hair as she ran back to the house to tell Graham on me. But there was nobody in the yard, and nobody in the garden. Lou was quick, but not that quick. As I lowered myself from the window, a giant insect flew up on the other side of the glass. Whoa, that's a big bug, I thought, pulling myself back up to get a better look. But it was no bug. Staring right at me, with its tiny face pressed up against the window, was the little fairy punk that speared my elbow. Hey, I yelled. The fairy shot back in surprise and bolted for it. Giddy and full of adrenaline, I grabbed my fishing net and sprinted out the door, tripping over the pot that had fallen. As I rounded the corner, I saw the little bugger flying for the trees. With a quick look back at the house to make sure the coast was clear, I sprinted after him. Through the garden and into the trees I ran, jumping over logs, dodging branches, barely keeping sight of the ferry as he picked up speed. He flew into the little creek tunnel at the bottom of Loganberry Hill. Perfect. I ran alongside the tunnel as fast as I could and crouched down where the tunnel ended. The ferry finished the tunnel's curve and came flying out just in time for me to pounce on it with my net. 
gotcha! I slammed the net over him and trapped him against the ground. Panicked, the little man flew upward as hard as he could, but I held on tight. You're not going anywhere! Let me go! cried the little man. His voice was surprisingly normal for such a tiny creature. No high-pitched squeaks or anything. It even sounded like he had an accent of some sort. Bet you wished you had your little spear to cut yourself loose, huh? I said, giving the net a good shake. The trapped fairy stopped fighting back and sat down to catch his breath. Do you have my spear? He asked, hopefully. Maybe. Even if I did, do I look stupid enough to give it back to you? The little man wiped his sweaty forehead. Not as stupid as you should be. What is that supposed to mean? My spear. It's dipped in stupa dust. You were supposed to fall into a temper every day when I stuck you with it. Instead, you swatted me like a fly. Stupor dust? The tiny man fixed his wavy red hair and got to his feet. Standing there in my net, he looked even more majestic than the first time I'd seen him. His eyes were as blue as Greenwood Lake, and his golden armor shone in the sunlight that peeked through the trees above. He wore gloves made of leaves and tiny black boots with little wiry roots for laces. His shimmering wings lay flat against his back. That's why I came back, he said boldly. I've never met anyone who is immune to stupor dust. It's usually enough to confuse even the biggest humans for at least a few minutes. Guess that makes me something special then, I said sarcastically. It would appear so. What is your name, girl? Winnie May. What's yours? Oliver Orchid. Pleased to meet you. All of those thoughts of sticking him with his own spear suddenly vanished. The little man was polite, handsome, and the size of my thumb. What's not to like? I can't believe you're real, I said, looking him over. I can't believe you found us, Oliver replied. It's been decades since we've made contact with humans. The others, I said, do they know about... I see no reason in sounding the alarm. I may have panicked a little when we first met, but... A little? I was standing guard at the entrance. It was my duty to warn of intruders. But when they asked who had breached the gate, I told them a dog had gotten loose. I couldn't bring myself to tell them that you had seen me. My people have a way of overreacting to these sorts of things. That's why I took it upon myself to investigate. So you're spying on me? Spying has an awfully negative tone. I prefer observing. It sounds more official and important. You breached a hideout, are immune to stupor dust, and slapped me harder than all my previous lovers combined. I couldn't resist. Besides, you've come at an opportune moment. How's that? Well, a couple days ago, our clan sensed the presence of our queen, who we had long believed to be dead. Around the same time, the Lunars approached our territory and set up camp in the surrounding forest. Our elders are certain they are holding the queen captive and have returned to finish what they started many years ago. You obviously have an immunity to strong enchantments, and while this doesn't guarantee you can withstand Dark Pixie, you may pose a tactical advantage by breaking through their ranks and retrieving our majesty. The little man said so much so quickly that I had to shake my head to piece any of it together, a practice I developed from countless math exams, all of which I failed. Wait, Lunas? 
I asked. The fairy waved his hand. Don't worry, I'll explain all about them later. I thought for a minute. So you want me to save your queen? Oliver nodded. If it won't trouble you? Why should I help you? I asked. I have enough to worry about as it is, not to mention I'm grounded for the next month. Good! I need someone who's grounded. Someone sensible and level-headed. We've no time for ninny-noggling. For starters, I can tell you anything you want to know about fairies. No one will likely believe you, but it's interesting stuff nonetheless. And... And you will have the honor of preserving one of the last fairy clan's strongholds. If the Lunas take over, then all the remaining clans will dissolve over time. Mankind will have nothing but dark pixie magic to govern it. Soil will spoil, crops will die, insects will swarm, night will overshadow the day. Oliver poked his head out of one of the holes in the net. Your world, Winnie Mae, is our world. We are the caretakers. I sat down on a mossy log to take it all in. Why did I have to break into that stupid carousel, I thought. Why did I let Dr. Theo talk me into it? And why, why did I have to go and ditch Lou and Jack at the fair? Lou and Jack. They and everyone else I cared about depended on the crops for survival, especially around here. Heck, everyone in the world depended on it. So basically what you're saying is, if I don't help you, the fairies will become extinct and all mankind will eventually cease to exist as we know it? More or less, yes. I guess I have no choice then. You better not be lying, Miniman. Truly, I wish I was. I lifted the net off of him. We have a deal, I said. But before we get started, I have one request. Oliver looked at me with a raised eyebrow. The next day started off a little rough. Have you ever tried poking holes in your backpack? Neither had I. Turns out it's not as easy as I thought it would be. Graham looked at me like I was insane when she saw me sitting at the kitchen table, jabbing it with her pair of scissors. Everything okay? she asked. What, this? Oh yeah, it's just a new fad at school. You know, first it was holes in the jeans and now holes in the backpacks. <laughs> it's hard to keep up. Man, I wish I was a better liar. You never cut holes in your jeans, Graham said. Dang, she was right. Lou walked into the kitchen right on time. Even the kindergartners are doing it, she said, grabbing a piece of toast off the table. If Winnie wouldn't hog the scissors, I'd be working on mine. I looked at Lou, shocked. Was she serious? Why was she helping me? Graham shook her head. I don't get it. Why you'd want to look like a couple of hobos is beyond me. Just don't start cutting holes in your shirts. She handed us our lunches, gave us a kiss, and we ran out the door. Bye, Graham. As Lou and I walked to pick up Jack, she turned to me and asked, What's its name? What? The fairy you're carrying in your bag, dummy. It has a name, doesn't it? I almost tripped over myself. B but how did you... Duh, why else would you cut holes in your backpack? She said matter-of-factly. I could think of a million other reasons, but I didn't dare challenge her. You have to promise not to tell anybody, I told her. 
We stopped and I unzipped the top of my bag to let her peek inside. As if she were seeing nothing more than a box of crayons, she looked down at Oliver who was sitting against my history textbook, tossing an eraser up and catching it. Oh, hello, he said with a friendly wave. Hey, replied Lou like it was no big deal. You're Louise, right? You bet your butt. I've heard all about you from the tulips. They say you make an amazing sunflower salad. Lou ran her hand through the duck poof in her hair. The best, she said proudly. Maybe I'll make it for you sometime. I'd love that, Oliver said, tossing the eraser up again and catching it. Okay. I rolled my eyes and zipped the bag up. Don't say anything to Jack, okay? I want to be the one to tell him. Yeah, yeah, whatever, Lou said, and within a matter of seconds, she was already searching high and low for sunflowers to pick for her salad. To be honest, I hadn't really thought through how I was going to introduce Oliver to Jack. Throughout the day, I kept trying to come up with something really clever. At first, I thought it might be funny to hide Oliver in his sandwich at lunch, but then I realized it could get ugly quick if he took a big bite out of him. I considered hiding him in one of his textbooks, but then I remembered that he never opens them. It was getting towards the end of the day, and I still had nothing. Until... Line up, you pansies! That means you too, Porky Wilder, yelled our P.E. teacher, Miss Haranga. She was as mean as a rattlesnake and sounded like one too when she walked around with her green fanny pack. The fifth graders always told us stories of how it was full of ammunition from the wars she'd fought in. I, for one, didn't doubt it for a minute. Some say she's a government assassin. Others say she's a bodybuilder. I say she freaks me out, whatever she is. Most of the time, I don't even know what she's saying because I'm too busy looking at her mustache. Yep, she's got one. Hurry up! She roared through the wisp of hair, making us trip over ourselves until we filed into the gym. Her voice echoed in the big empty room that doubled as our cafeteria. Smells of corn dogs and french fries lingered in the air from lunch. But no funky smells or cranky teachers could ruin this day, because today was the best P.E. day of all. My eyes twinkled as I looked out over the climbing ropes that hung down from the gym ceiling like beautiful golden braids. Just one day out of the year, I got to do what I loved most and not get in trouble for it. Laura had math flashcard showdowns, Stevie had show and tell because he always brought in his outrageously fat cat, Luke had recess because he was good at every sport and the sun made his beautiful hair glow, and I, I had rope day. It was my moment to shine. I wondered if I'd beat my best time from last year, and I wondered if Luke would notice. Confidently, I stepped into a line behind one of the several ropes and waited for my turn. Miss Haranga marched in front of us with her arms folded behind her and her hair tied back so tight I think it made her eyebrows raise permanently. When you hear my whistle, she snarled, you will run to the rope in front of you, climb it like the dirty little monkeys you are, come straight back down and get out of the way. No dangling, no swinging, no waving, and no laughing. Ready? Yes, sir, we all shouted like soldiers. The whistle blew and the first kids in line bolted for the ropes. I was third in line in front of Jack and right behind B.O. Bo. I always got stuck behind B.O. Bo somehow. It was a curse. As I glanced around, waiting anxiously for my turn, I remembered that I was still wearing my backpack. I hadn't dared to set it down or put it out of my sight all day. 
I'd been carrying it around everywhere, waiting for the opportune moment to show Jack my little surprise. Save my spot, I told Jack. I ran over to the wall and carefully set the backpack down. Don't worry, I whispered to it. I'll bring you out on our way home. I hoped he was still alive in there, because I hadn't heard him make a peep in a while. I was next. As soon as the whistle blew, I shot up my rope like an orangutan. Hand over hand I went, shuffling like a human slinky up to the top. When I reached the ceiling beams, I imagined myself victoriously grabbing a handful of banana. Before most of the kids had gotten halfway up their ropes, I was already back on the ground. I glanced around to see if Luke had noticed. He hadn't. He was too busy chatting it up with Stacy. Jack kept going to the back of the line. He tried to use the excuse of needing to go to the bathroom to get out of climbing, but Miss Haranga wouldn't hear it. When I was a kid, I'd hold it for days, she said. Everyone else in line looked at each other. Was that even possible? When she turned to check on the other groups, Jack tried to sneak to the back of the line again. Miss Haranga whipped around like she was springing a trap. Oh, ho, 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 I don't think so, she said. Luke, Jack. Both jumped to attention when they heard their names. Get up here and show us your competitive spirit. A one-on-one race to the top. Loser gets detention. Jack's face went pale. Luke stepped up next to him, confidently popping his knuckles and blowing kisses to the girls behind him. I imagine those invisible kisses deflecting off of them and floating my way. Jack swallowed hard and stepped up to his rope. He gazed up as if it were a mile high. Ready? Miss Haranga shouted. Sit! The whistle blew and Luke was off. Jack whimpered a little and took a step back. Just when I thought he'd turn and make a run for it, the front of his shirt suddenly yanked him forward, making him fall onto the rope. He instinctively grabbed on just in time before whatever was in his shirt heaved him upward. In one of the most unnatural images I'd ever seen, Jack was flying up the rope, barely touching it with his hands. He screamed his brains out and blew by Luke in a blur until he reached the top. Miss Haranga's mustached mouth gaped. Jack was clinging to the top of the rope and holding on for dear life, but there was nothing he could do. With one hand holding tight, the invisible force turned his whole body around like the hand of a clock. While the kids laughed and cheered, I stared at the weird bulge in Jack's shirt and then looked at my backpack by the wall. Oh boy, looks like Oliver picked his own time for making an entrance. He was ragdolling Jack left and right around the gym's ceiling. Jackson Taylor, Miss Haranga screamed, get down from that rope now. By this time, Luke was down standing next to the rest of us, looking up in shock. Finally, Jack came flying down the thick braid, giving his hands a good rope burn. The second his feet hit the mat, Horenga grabbed him by the shirt and marched him straight into her office. Everyone watched in horror as the office door slammed shut. What was she going to do to him, I thought. Would we ever see him again? Horenga's office was a mysterious dungeon very few had ever seen, let alone survived. B.O. Bo broke the silence by trying to start a slow clap, but instead of catching on, it just kind of died off. As I feared, Jack was nowhere to be seen for the rest of the day. I was convinced he was dead, or worse, enduring a life sentence of push-ups. Until 
I found him after the final bell, hunched over in our usual meeting spot. You're alive, I said, running up to him and giving him a hug. Well? Jack was staring off, shell-shocked. He looked terrible. Jack, can you hear me? I waved in front of his empty eyes. What happened? Jack finally spoke. After you guys left, she she called a recruiter for the Olympics and had him come down to check me out, he said softly. No! Swear. What'd you do? I tried climbing again, but didn't get more than two feet off the ground. The guy just laughed and walked out. Harry Gut practically chased me out of the gym. Harry Gut was Jack's nickname for Haranga. No, duh, you couldn't do it again, I said. Is the fairy okay? Jack looked me up and down. Fairy? Yeah, you nincompoop. How'd you think you flew around like a maniac? (laughs) It's called adrenaline, Winnie. All the great athletes experience it. Oh, boy. I sucked in my lips to keep from laughing. He actually thought he had done it himself. You're serious, I checked. Why do you think I cut holes in my backpack today? I don't know, I figured it was just a pathetic attempt at getting Luke's attention or something. Getting Luke's attention? Jack, I was bringing a fairy to show you at school. I got holes in my bag so it could breathe. I wished I could just open up my backpack and show him as I'd planned, but I hadn't seen Oliver since the incident. Oh, come on, Winnie. You're just jealous because I conquered my biggest fear. Admit it, Jack said, getting irritated. Fear of what? Oliver said, popping out from behind Jack's shoulder. Gah! Jack turned and backhanded Oliver so hard he flew into a mailbox and dropped to the ground. Careful! I yelled. I bent down and carefully scooped the little man up. Oliver rubbed his head. Why is every human's first impulse to swing? Jack's eyes grew to the size of softballs and he started hyperventilating. His face got all contorted and he made moaning noises like a cow. Calm down, I said, looking around. You're gonna get us caught. Jack stared down at Oliver and managed to calm down a little, so that he sounded more like a baby cow. Nope, not real, not possible. Oliver fluttered up to my shoulder and took a seat. If climbing up that rope is what you're referring to, then yes, it was impossible. But thanks to me, you won the race. He beamed. Jack's expression turned from shock to anger. Thanks to you, I almost fell on my head. I got you to the top, didn't I? Jack started pointing his angry finger. You left me looking like a fool for the recruit. Let's see how long you can stand breathing in a hot, smelly shirt. My shirt's not that smelly. I stepped in. Shut it, both of you. Sheesh. Jack, what were you going to do? Compete in the Olympics? And you? I looked at Oliver. You couldn't just stick to the plan, could you? You had to make a real entrance for yourself and throw him around like a rag doll. Neither of them looked at each other. I wanted to introduce you two because I think we could all make a good team. Jack, Oliver's queen has been stolen and they need our help to get her back. I think Dr. Theo Knight from the fair might know where to look. Will you help us? Jack shook his head. You're grounded, Winnie. If Graham finds out, she'll kill us both. I looked at him with my big brown Bambi eyes. 
please, I pleaded. Jack pushed his glasses higher up on his nose with two fingers and held them there while he let out an overdramatic sigh. Oh, fine, he said. Yes, meet me at the Ugly Oak at 8.30 and don't be late. Jack groaned. We're so dead. Hey, Rocketeers, thank you for listening to this episode of Winnie and the Pixie Knots, which is a production of the Purple Rocket Podcast. If you've enjoyed this story, let us know by leaving a review and telling your friends and family. Let's grow the Rocketeer community. And if you haven't already, check out the other series we have to listen to, like Grandpa's Globe, Winglings Under the Willow Tree, Space Train, Knights of Spatula, Life... There are plenty of stories to keep you busy, so check them out, Rocketeers. And if you're looking for a way to support these stories, check out our store at purplerocketpodcast.com store. And there you will find some read-along books you can buy, or you can simply leave a donation. Any support you can give is much appreciated and helps a lot. So check it out. And be sure to tune in next time, Rocketeers, for an all-new episode. This is your host, Greg Webb.